So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says it this way, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Provided for you or added to you. One translation says, I'm using this one called uh, the complete uh, uh, standard Bible, but um, it means that it's provided for you. Notice if we'll go after the kingdom first. And the reason why I want to start with this particular passage is this is priority. But seek first. It's, this is not second. This is not when everything else you've done has failed, and now let's but God. Are you with me? No, it is first. And so we need to learn how to get first first. Amen? Because a lot of times people think that God's first when God's really five. We need to genuinely evaluate whether he's first. Because when we say seek first, we mean first. Amen. Now, you may feel like a champion on the inside, but if you come up third in the Olympics, you're not getting the gold medal. Doesn't matter how many gold medals you won somewhere else, you're not the champion of that particular day. You're not going to get the gold medal. You have to come up what? First. So first is important. We want to need to evaluate ourselves and say, okay, is this first? Which means this, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God's huge. Are you with me? The kingdom of God is big. The kingdom of God is not one thing. The kingdom of God cannot be reduced to salvation. Salvation is a part of the kingdom of God, but it's not the kingdom of God. It, salvation is the door into the kingdom. And then there's so much more about the kingdom of God. So he says, seek first the kingdom. He doesn't mean seek first Jesus to be born again. And then everything else about the kingdom, you can prioritize later down. Because, you know, when you go to heaven, you'll be there when that happens. And God knows you're down here on the earth and you got things to do and you got, you know, uh, stuff that's important. And he understands those particular. Yeah, but we know this particular passage of scripture comes from when he's talking about how the world operates. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. He says, all the Gentiles seek these things. They run after them. They rush after them. They go after them. But he says, but now you, and this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking, who we call our Lord. Lord is not a religious word. It means supreme in authority. And so when you call on the name of the supreme in authority, his name's Jesus. You're saying, I lay down my life and I take up your life for me. You're not taking up Jesus's life. Jesus did his life and he laid his life down for us. Hallelujah. But you're taking up your purpose now. Why God placed you in the planet in the first place. Why God said about you before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that all the days of your life, I've already written out. And if you'll follow me, I'll let you discover yourself. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And so when we abandon our will and say, I'm going to take up your will for my life. And I'm going to seek you in every aspect because you have pulled me from the domain of darkness in and transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now I am to seek the kingdom first. Are you with me? Which means it's always to remain number one. I said number one. So whatever God is saying, where the word of the king is, there's power. Whatever the king is saying and how he's saying it in uh, many circumstances in life, we are to seek that first. 
If you get sickness in your body or symptoms, you should seek the kingdom's health care first. That does not mean that the king wouldn't say, go to the doctor. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is let him tell you what to do. Because a lot of times we'll go to medical science first, and they'll tell us what they think we should, what should happen to us. But the Lord may say, you don't have to go that way. It's not necessary for you. I may want you to go a different route or go a different direction or go a, a whole different plan. I may need to get you in front of a different type of doctor so that you can testify to them that I'm the Lord who healeth thee. Are you with me? But a lot of times, if we don't watch out, we won't seek those things. Or same thing, what about change with jobs? Right? We know we need a job or, or we need to bring some income. So we began to do our own thing without saying, okay, Lord, you said if a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Let me seek you first and where I should go or should not. But a lot of times, those things we do not converse with him first. So we have to ask the question, at what point or where in any circumstance of life is God really first in that area of my life? Do you know, he may be first in one area, but not first in another. Because the kingdom is bigger than just being born again. Again, being born again, as significant as that is, it is the entrance into his kingdom where now the authority, the reign, the power of God, the way he wants you to move, the way he wants you to conduct yourself, now your steps can truly be ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's what we are to do, to have our steps ordered of the Lord. In fact, when we get into the kingdom, we actually take up a new occupation. And Jesus tells us, because, you know, you go around, people say, what do you do for a living? And then they typically tell you their occupation. Well, I'm a plumber, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mechanic, or whatever the case may be. But the reality is we are to live by faith. So our living is by faith. What do you do for a living? I live by faith. I happen to be employed as a mechanic, but I'm not limited to the salary or the influence of a mechanic. Are you with me? Because I'm not a mechanic first. You know, when people lose their jobs, a lot of times they get in despair, they get disheartened, they have challenges going down. Why? Because their identity is tied up in their job, not in who they are in Christ. I'm the child of a king. I said, I'm the child of a king. And how can my dad not take care of me? He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. He would not leave me as an orphan. He would care for me. So if I would realize that I live by faith and that I seek him first in any situation in life, go to him. Then he can then plan out, give me the steps, my steps to be ordered, and which will guarantee this, whatever I put my hand to will prosper. Hallelujah. So we have to ask again, where is first when it comes to the kingdom of God in our life in every aspect of our life? The reason why I say that is because the king gave a command. And the king said this in Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15. He said, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world. Who said this? Jesus said this. Now, is Jesus only saying this to his disciples? Obviously, he's not 
or to his apostles, the apostles of the Lamb. Obviously, he's not. He's saying this to everyone because, again, the 12, which is at this point the 11 because one killed himself, and they've not yet brought the 12th one on that they, you know, cast lots for. But he had sent others. There were 70 that he sent out, a whole nother group, and they operated in the power of God. Are you with me? So there's this something about this word go that means something to God. If we look over into Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says it this way. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if we define this word go, it means this. It means to follow on. It means to lead or order one's life. That's what go means. When he says go, therefore... Go into all the world. He's saying, order your life to my go. Do you think God is saying go a lot? Think about this now. If you, again, had symptoms in your body, would you not hear this from the Lord? Go to. Now, it could be go to this passage of Scripture. Go to this book. Go to this physician. Go to this, um, you know, Brother in, in the Lord, go to this service. That means you are what? To order your life according to that command. Would he do this in the realm of a, 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 a career? Lord, what do I do? Go to this location or go to this city or go to, you know, this job, you know, apply for this one. Though this one looks better. Are you with me? So on paper, this is the better job. But the Lord knows what this one will do because he's in this, this path. I said he's in this path. And many have missed God because they live by sight instead of by faith, and they're not taking the command go. Are you with me? So it makes me ask this question then. How is your, how do you go? How do you go? Because, man, I, I've been a pastor now for, you know, senior pastor here in this one location almost 15 years. I've been pastoring longer than that, you know, 23, 24 years, uh, you know, in ministry totally. But it's amazing. I've been around so many people, and, you know, God says to go, therefore, to go, therefore, to go, therefore, and his, his go should be first. But people say stuff to me all the time, you know? Well, I have to go to the game. I have to go to work. I have to go to the doctor. And these are in connections with, hey, we have an opportunity to do an outreach. We have an opportunity to, to you know, be able to bless this area. We have an opportunity for those to get involved. You know, Pastor, I would, I would love to go, but I have to go Let me preach over here on this side, maybe. <laughs> Amen. Listen, if what we preach doesn't challenge us to think about where we're at and our, is our mind really renewed to the new creature we are in Christ that we're acting and operating on it day in and day out, well, you know, I could give you cotton candy stuff all day long and you make you feel where you're like, wow, I'm just so... You are awesome, but you won't ever be awesome until you get yourself in alignment with the Word of God. And you have to really seriously evaluate, is my go his go? Is my go his go? 
Because, man, he's, he's telling us to do some things. He's wanting us to be an influence in the world. He's wanting us to do something significant. He wants to deploy us as a demonstrator for him, but we have to answer the call. Hallelujah. And we don't want our go just to be go. It brings us up to that statement we used to make uh, years ago. We would say this. Um, let me see if I can remember all of it. The greatest um, uh, tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. Remember that? And then we said the greatest challenge in life is knowing what to do. Then we said the greatest uh, mistake in life is being busy and not effective. Then we said this, the greatest failure in life is being successful in the wrong assignment. And we know the scripture supports that. What good is in a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Well, I got to go here and I got this busy thing here and I got to go here and got to go here and go here. And next thing you know, we've amassed all this natural stuff and the sum total of your life is not the accumulation of what you just amassed. In fact, God never assigned you to do any of that and your stuff burns up and then you stand before the Lord and he's like, where was your life? Because again, God will judge you based upon his plan for you not your plan for yourself. Are you with me? Amen. So it's very significant that we go. You know what? When I graduated from Rama, there was a lot of opportunities, okay, for us to go places. Now, I initially just wanted to pioneer a church because I knew that was the call of God in my life. So I went to Gainesville to start that thing, you know, started talking to some people, you know, get this thing started, and in prayer and in preparation to, to do that, I was working a job somewhere and thinking about where we were going to launch this thing and all that, and probably two months there, the Lord speaks to me in prayer and says, you're not ready. You need to go get on staff somewhere. Do you understand? I can go to Gainesville and start a church, but it's my go, not his go. Which means... The priority of my go is not first his, but mine. Because I'll be honest with you, I went because I was tired of moving my family. I had moved my family so much trying to pursue the call of God. You know, I just, you know, I was learning how to hear the Holy Ghost and be led by the Holy Spirit, knew I was called to ministry. That was pretty significant marker in my life, but how to accomplish that, that was a whole nother ball of wax, you know, and I made some wrong um, um, decisions as I went. God was able to reroute me, you know, get me around a few detours, you know, continue to get my path somewhere. I mean, you know, and finally I arrived, got my training, and then from there I'm ready to launch out and do this thing because honestly, I just don't want to move my family anymore. But God wasn't moved by that. I said, God wasn't moved by that. And as a result of that, I had to get to the place where, you know what, it's going to have to be his way, not my way, because the reality is it's his church, not mine. So I can plan it and say it's the church and put my name on it and say Pastor Earl Glisson, senior pastor of whatever that church's name would have been in Gainesville. And we could have had some layers of success because the word works. I mean, you can, a disobedient person can preach the word and a person can get right with God because the word works. Are you with me? I mean, we know there are whole ministries set up. Paul tells us in the Philippian letter, he said, listen, there are people, man, that are preaching Christ out of selfish motives. 
Then there's people who are preaching Christ because they love God, they have a heart for God, they want to follow his steps. The latter do it for the right reason. He said, but at least this, even though these other ones are preaching for their own self-accolades, their own you know, fame, their own notoriety, at least Christ is being preached. Why? Because he knew if, if Jesus' name can be spoken, something can happen. Do you know demons will even hear the name of Jesus from someone who doesn't even understand the authority of Jesus? We see that with the seven sons of Sceva, Right? Where this, you know, left-handed Jewish uh, a leader, you know, he had some sons. They were going out and they were rebuking demons in the name of Jesus, the one whom Paul preaches about. And the spirit that was on that man rose up and says, we know Jesus. We've heard about Paul, but who are you? You know, the name of Jesus calls them to stop. Even though it came out of someone who didn't even understand the name, nor operate in the authority. Oh, the word is so good. I said the word is so good. Why? Because it's alive. And if a person will believe, it will come alive in them. But, you know, I don't want to just give out a word that's alive but not alive in me. I want it to be alive in me because we're doing where, where God wants us to be. Praise the Lord. So we ended up showing up in St. Augustine because the Lord said, it's time to go. It's time to what? Go. I mean, I was somewhere. I was doing ministry because God had told me to go to Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and be with that man in his ministry and serve faithfully there. Then the Lord says, it's time to go. Oh, it's time to go now. So that means if I stay, I'm no longer prioritizing his go. I'm trying to stay comfortable in the fit that no longer I'm fitted for. <laughs> Are you with me? So this go is so significant for us to be able to say, okay, how is... You know, how do you go? How do you go? Do you go because your kids make you go? Do you go because your job makes you go? Do you go because something is forcing you to go? Or do you go because God has said go? And you understand, you can go to the same place in the wrong go. Amen. I said, amen. You can go to the same place in the wrong go. Okay, let's look. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21. I'm just laying a little bit of a foundation because all month we're going to be talking about go. The reason we are is because we're going to talk about evangelizing. Because again, he said, go into all the world and make disciples or preach the gospel, meaning there's something in our life that the world needs to see. And too often, especially honestly, in some of the circles that you know, are associated with word of faith, is that the gospel has become a me gospel to the point of, I'm going to learn about my authority. I'm going to learn about my prosperity. I'm going to learn about my health. I'm going to learn about my, my, my. I'm going to get mine. While there's a world out there that needs to know what you have and how you can operate in what you have. Are you with me? Because Paul said, listen, I didn't tell you not to associate with the world. Right? He said, come out from amongst them and be separated. That means your life should be so clearly different than the world. You shouldn't be the world with a Jesus sticker wrapped on it. 
You shouldn't act like the world and say, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. I'm no different than you. I just asked Jesus to save me. No, you're different. You're a child of God. You're the child of a king. You're a new creature in Christ. You've been raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your DNA spiritually is totally different. Period. And that new DNA in the spirit has the capacity to hear the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead, and he will now educate your mind so that you, if you will willfully submit to this new teaching, change everything about your life. You'll begin to operate in an authority and a power and a dominion that the world doesn't even know, but they'll be in awe when they see it happen in your life. Hallelujah. But they need to see. You've got to know the reason why I have this authority, I have this health, I have this, you know, provision of prosperity, I have uh, this peace is so that I can demonstrate because I have to go. There's a go to the world. I said there's a go to the world. So Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said this. Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also... Let's think now. You can't go the way you want to go. Jesus sets the condition for your going. Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent, which tells us this. Jesus didn't show up because he wanted to. Jesus was not seated in heaven with the Father and says, you got to do something about this, Dad. Don't you know how much I love this world? You've got to get me down in there. You've got to get me down. You've got to let me save. He wasn't trying to push the agenda. He was like, Father, you're awesome. You're awesome, Father. You're awesome. Uh, it's just such a blessing to be in your presence. Dad, I love you. I love everything about you. I love being around you. And whatever you say, I am you, spoken. And Jesus said, the Father sent me. Why? Because the one who loved the world was Dad. For God. So love the world. So in essence, the father's saying, son, we're going to redeem them. We're going to get them back, and I'm going to use you to do it. I'm going to place you in a skin suit. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you. I won't forsake you down there. I'm not going to leave you alone. In fact, I'm going to empower you. Trust in me, son. I have laid a whole lineage of word long before you'll ever come into existence. Because when I, you empty yourself from here and you clothe yourself in flesh, I will have left enough of a road map in the earth that you can discover yourself and find out you're the Messiah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Because when mom starts talking to you and says, listen, son, you're different than everyone else. Because everybody else, they get their children this way. But the Holy Ghost came on me. I gave birth to you while I was a virgin. And when he starts going through the, uh, the, um, the law that Moses writes, you know, all that he wrote, the Torah. And then he starts going through the books of the prophet. And he begins to see it prophesied about this, this virgin that would give birth to a child. He began to, that's me. This is who I am. This is who I am. I must fulfill dad's plan. I must fulfill dad's plan. I must fulfill dad's plan. And remember, before he could go preaching, he says, okay, I got to go see John. So he goes, sees John. John says, this is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. He said, no, no. 
I ought to be baptized by you. He said, you permit it this time so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. Righteousness is not a religious word. It means right standing with the governing authority. In essence, Jesus says, dad decreed that I would do this, so we have to do it this way. I can't do it a different way. So he baptized him in water, and when he comes out, the heavens opened up. I said, the heavens opened up. And when the heavens opened up, a voice comes out, and it's dad's voice. Who's dad? He's our dad. He's not just Jesus' dad. He's our dad, right? Dad says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and he has the Spirit without measure, and then the Holy Spirit says, get up. We going into the wilderness to find the God of this world. And you're going to yield to me. I'll tell you what to say. And we're going to let him know that we're taking it back. We're taking it all back. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So then Jesus says, how dad sent me, I'm going to send you. So Jesus, then we know he says these words. I only do what the father tells me. I only speak what dad says. He only is going where dad's told him to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, Jesus was limited to the house of Israel. He wasn't, though he preached the gospel that was for the Gentiles and is for us, but he stayed within the house, and there were few that were outside the house of Israel that ended up coming in and pulling on the king's word. And as a result, he performed. But it wasn't the, the, the Syrophoenician woman. She's like asking him to heal her. He says, do I, you know, uh, uh, cast the, my bread before the dogs? I mean, y'all would leave the church if a pastor said, I don't cast this, you know, I don't give my bread to the dogs. <laughs> she said, but even the dogs eat crumbs from the master's table. He says, Ooh, I'm the king, man, I can't ignore that. I can't ignore that. Hallelujah. In fact, in fact, the centurion wasn't even of the house of Israel either. And he turns around to his own nation and says, I've not seen such great faith, no, not in all of Israel. Wow, this guy, he's got it. He understands. He understands how this thing works, how the kingdom operates. Amen. So we can't go any way we want to go. That's why I couldn't pick any city I wanted to pick. I mean, I could, but then I wouldn't have been effective. And any effect I would have had would have been something that would have burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. Lord, but I went to this city, and these people got born again, and these people got filled, and these people got healed, and these people got demons cast out. And the Lord said, that's great. They got my word, but I never sent you there in the first place. This means I can't leave when I want to. I'm done with y'all. Find me another one. Yet, it's amazing how people go in, start something, say God told them to go to a city, and within two years, God's telling them to go to another city. It's amazing how quick people are going and abandon people. Why? Because they think they can go as they want to go. And you know, we've practiced this, though. We get up and go and do what we want to do. Because we're not having our go connected to seek first 
the kingdom of God. We've said this before. Will we allow the Holy Ghost to interrupt our day? Will we allow it? Or are we just going to go? Now, this applies to every one of us. I can tell you right now, I've been in situations where, man, I'm going. And you're, you're, you're getting this little, like, something on the inside, but, you know, you explain it away pretty fast because I got to go. Basically, we tend to take this thought process, I don't have time for this right now. I've had this with conversations. Again, we, <laughs> you can talk to me, okay, no problem, all right? But, you know, you're going somewhere, all of a sudden, hey, pastor, can I have a, a minute of your time? And, you know, <laughs> that's usually never truth. Right. I mean, they want at least a minute that leads on. Right. Okay. But anyway, you go and you're starting to, you know, because you, you want to hear. Then all of a sudden things start moving. and You're thinking to yourself, man, I, I just don't have time for this conversation right now. I mean, I'm doing something significant for Jesus. That's what I'm thinking. But the reality is, if you stop long enough, now, sometimes they are distractions. Don't get me wrong. It's like, man, we can't have this conversation right now. You're going to set a meeting. Because it is. It's trying to get you off another go. I have no problem with that. But sometimes they're, this is where you need to be right now. And that's why we got to be sensitive. You know, the, the, the most daunting task we have as a believer is being led by the Spirit. Because too often we can really just explain away a go. Because we're conditioned to do our own goes. Hallelujah. Amen. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you the way I was sent, so we can't go our own way. We've got to go the way he went. And then what's he do in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? He said, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come, up, come on you, all right? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the reason why we have the endowment of power first and foremost is the empowerment of our go. Now, it does create the language of the kingdom. The power creates the language of the kingdom. You will speak in other tongues when you receive the endowment of power. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will speak in the language of the kingdom of God. And he's the author of tongues anyway, so it's no big deal. He's the quickest Rosetta Stone you'll ever find in your life. Hallelujah. The thing is, you can speak a whole other language, not even know what you're saying. Amen. But your spirit does. Your spirit can get in tune with the Holy Ghost, and eventually, if you seek it out, God will reveal to you what you were praying. Sometimes it's not, you don't need to know, and you know what? It's fine, because God won't give you a serpent when you ask for a fish. Hallelujah. No, he's not evil, Daddy. He's a good dad, and how much more will he give us the Holy Spirit? Amen. And so when he induces us with power, it's for the witnessing. It's not for the tongues. And you know what else it's not for? It's not for the gifts of the Spirit. Though the gifts of the Spirit will back your witnessing. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of times people want the Holy Spirit just so that they can walk around and demonstrate gifts of the Spirit so that people then say, oh, so-and-so laid hands on me and I was healed and so-and-so raised this person up, you know, and so-and-so worked a miracle. See, that brings attention to you. You need to say, I have this to be a witness for him. That sometimes God needs to use you to, so you bear witness of his unseen kingdom that's in operation today. 
And so sometimes he'll get this word of knowledge. I was meeting with someone before service today and they were telling me how they were at Home Depot, kind of, you know, not really going to church, but having some, you know, you know, just dealing with God a little bit, right? But yes, you're not hooked in. And all of a sudden, someone didn't know, just walked up out of his, uh, uh, while they were just standing there trying to figure something out of how much stuff they need to purchase there at Home Depot. And they just said to them, and it was by word of knowledge, said, uh, are, are, you know, are you seeking the things of God? And it said, they just caught them like, What? I think maybe are you struggling with the things of God or something like that, you know? But it caught them why that word of knowledge resonated so that they eventually connected from there realized I need to be in church, went to churches, and then showed up here one service with that individual. And the minute they walked in, they said, this is where I'm supposed to be. Then that individual disappeared off the face of the planet, can't even find them today. All because someone had this unction. What was it? It was a witness tool to get them in, connected in a local body. Are you with me? So the reason why we are in due with power is not to speak in other tongues. The reason we're in due with power is not because speaking in other tongues and that endowment of power gives us access to the gifts of the Spirit. Those are for witness. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about tongues are a witness to unbelievers. Wow, a lot of times we don't want to even speak in tongues in the church because we think, hey, the problem is if you speak in tongues, especially if it's the gifts of the Spirit and there's no interpretation, that's a problem because then they're like, man, what are they saying? Well, I don't get nothing. Because if all we did was did a service in tongues, then, oh, wow, wasn't that great? Okay, let's go home. You're like, what did he say? That was not the intent. You know, and he was dealing with, you know, how they were operating in the gifts of the Spirit in the Corinthian church. But yet... When, the, when it's operating as God intended it as a witness, it can cause an unbeliever to become a believer and know they're in the presence of God. So those things are for the reason why Jesus said to tarry there in Jerusalem is so that they would receive power to be the witness. Amen. Good news, we don't have to tarry anymore because the Holy Ghost is here. I said the Holy Ghost is here. Paul told the Ephesians in the 19th chapter of Acts, he said, did you receive the Holy Ghost once you believed? Hallelujah. So the minute you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and you become a child of God, you can just as immediately by faith receive the endowment of power from on high and speak in other tongues immediately. It's not a spiritual growth issue. In fact, it's, it's, it's for those who are babes in Christ. Hallelujah. But it is necessary. It is necessary. You can go to heaven without it, but that's not the intent of why you got born again. The intent and reason why you got born again is so you can represent down here. What did Jesus say? When you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your kingdom what? Your will be on. See, God's not trying to get us out. He's like, I got myself in you. I got myself in you. And now that I got myself in you, I can demonstrate my unseen realm into this seen realm called planet Earth through you. Through you. Hallelujah. He's empowered us. Amen. So think about this for a minute now. Receive this endowment of power. Paul, the apostle, said this in the Corinthian letter. I believe it's the 14 chapters, 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I pray in tongues more than you all. 
So tongues wasn't an issue for Paul, but in the Ephesian letter, chapter 6, starting in verse 19, the guy who could pray in tongues more than any of them says this, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with what? Boldness. This is new ones. Got this on the front row while we were worshiping. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And, on, and, on, and, and pray on my behalf. So Paul's uh, asking the church, pray for me. This is the guy that I pray in tongues more than y'all. This guy's done great exploits for God. The gifts of the Spirit are obviously operating in his life. And he's saying, listen, I need you to pray for me. And why do I want you to pray for me? So that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Which means this. Apparently, there were times that Paul didn't want to talk. Because he's asking for boldness. He said, give me the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness. Which means he got in situations that he probably thought, man, I, I don't want to say nothing. I'm, you know... <laughs> I'm just, I'm minding my business. I, I'm just going to get some bread over here. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts talking. Why? Because, Paul, you are to go. I said, Paul, you are to go. And so he says, let's pray for me to give uh, utterance when I open my mouth to make known, with, make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am what? An ambassador. Now, he was in chains at this particular time. But aren't you glad we're not in chains? But we are ambassadors. I said we are ambassadors. And I want to remind you, we are ambassadors, which are government employees appointed by a king, handpicked by Jesus himself, which means he's giving you charge over a territory to represent him. His thinking. When our ambassadors are in any nation other than the United States, they are to only communicate the policies and the position of the home country. Hallelujah. Do you know ambassadors don't determine? You know what, President Trump's our president right now. President Trump, listen, I, man, you're awesome, but I, I really don't want to go to North Korea. What I want to do is I want to be the ambassador in the Bahamas. I want to represent the Bahamas, right? Represent the United States in the Bahamas. I'm not going to North Korea, okay? So, you know, hook me up there. But don't we get like this with God a lot of times? We begin to tell him where we're going to go to represent him. Right? Where are we going to go to represent him? No, we're ambassadors, which means he appoints us to a place. And then as an ambassador, we are to proclaim it. It, that in proclaiming it, I speak boldly as I ought to speak. The world needs to hear about our king. Could it be, since we spent some time Sunday casting vision and we're in a mall, could it be that one of the reasons why the mall still looks run down is because we haven't gotten passionate enough to actually get out and try to rebuild broken lives. You have an advantage over me. I am a pastor. 
I have an assignment in the local body church. Although I do go out, although I do communicate, there are certain restaurants that I hit that, man, I'm working on some waiters and waitresses through that constant relationship. But honestly, the majority of the people that I talk to, I'm trying to renew their mind. <laughs> They're born again. But you have this distinct privilege to be into a world that you get to represent daily. John Cantrell, come walk up here so everybody can see you real quick. John represents the day I used to be going out working every day outside the church. When I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to Bible school, John and I worked at Hilti together. He was full-time there, and I got on with him on third shift. We used to rock that place, did we not? John and I used to take five-gallon buckets of something. What was that stuff? The buckets of anchors. We would take those things, put them on some sticks, and curl them. Now, you don't know this about John Cantrell, but this guy's like a beast at uh, arm wrestling. It's crazy. Man, we'd be like working my arms all blowed up, you know, because I was, you know, working all the time. And he's there. And I said, come on. So we get down there on the thing. And I'd be like, oh, like this right here, man. I mean, I'm just taking John down to the I'm like, yes. And he would do this deal here. Bam. And just destroy me, man. His arm would be like this. And he would just lean like this and go, bam. Like I was nothing. Like I wasn't even there. It was amazing. The strength he had beating me all the time. But John wasn't living for God then. John wasn't. John can testify he never heard me cuss. John can testify that I never went with other guys because he's heard them invite me to the strip club after work. John can testify he never saw me drink any alcohol. John can testify he never saw me smoke anything. Right? Okay. Right? John can testify that I actually worked. Right? I did my job. He can testify that I helped other people when they needed things pulled. All those things were a witness. But then there was those moments that words could come out of my mouth where I could say some things. And as a result of that, this guy, when I moved here to start church, showed up in Florida. Why? Why not? Why wouldn't you come here to vacation? He just picks the week that four hurricanes come through the state in 2004. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> I've never been to a hurricane. Now, he's been around tornadoes all the time, right? No big deal. Hurricane, that's a whole other beast to him. What's going to happen? I said, aha, I've been in your shoes. Because when I heard that first tornado siren go off, I thought we were all going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Where is it at, right? These guys, man, later on, you're like, oh, that's a tornado. Okay, no problem. Like we are with hurricanes. We're, oh, yes. Yeah, it's out there. We got time. <laughs> no big deal, right? <laughs> You know, but if you listen to news outlet, you will die. You'll all die. Your kids will die. <laughs> listen to the Lord. <laughs> listen to the Lord. Okay? I mean, they will kill you. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to stand up in the storm. You don't want to go to the beach if the Lord says, leave the state. You're going to die. That's what's going to happen, okay? But if the Lord says, go to the beach and speak to the storm, I'm going to the beach. 
Hallelujah, because the power is in what he just told me. So John can tell you day in, day out, night after night, this guy can testify that towards the end, when breaks came, I didn't hang out in the break room anymore. I would go find myself a pallet, and I would arrange it in such a way that I could sleep, and I would set my watch, and I would sleep for those 15 minutes because I was going to school, man, working third shift. I was like, wow, I was, it's crazy. And John can testify. Sometimes he had to come by and hit me and say, hey, we're working again because I was so tired that I slept through the alarm, Right? But we developed a camaraderie. He can testify there was another guy that came to work by the name of Tommy. And on the last night that I was there, I led him to Christ. Tommy. And when John had a tragedy in his life, lost his dad and his brother on the same night. I was going to a church at Gamble Rogers. He called me. Told me. He said, I want you to come do the funeral. Because I lived out in that same place that you live day in and day out. And it wasn't that I was a pastor. It's that I was an ambassador. Thank you, John. Love you. God brought him here. And John hooked up with us here, relocated. John's gone through our Bible school and then met a girl here and got married. I mean, God's blessed his life. Hallelujah. So I want us to get this like renewed passion as we go on Wednesday. See, I'm not talking this on Sunday because the reality is the ones who, be, who should be the most passionate about going is the ones who are willing to show up on Wednesdays because you want to grow and go. And you understand we're going to win the world. We're going to win our city. We're going to change our city because we will allow his priority of go to dominate our life. Because here's the thing. All of us can go. Now, what did it say in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8? It says, go, it says, be my witnesses to Jerusalem. That represents our city. This is where we're at day in and day out. But we're not limited here. Then we go to Judea, which is like our county. Then Samaria, you know, that's the, those, those are areas of town or, or places that you don't think people want you there. They're like supposed to be against you. Like, why are you coming to my neighborhood? We show up anyway. Then you get the to the end of the earth, which means we get to go through the rest of our nation, other nations. Now, you may say, no, pastor, I'm not called to go. Show me in Scripture where not every one of us is called to go. God's never called me to go to Africa. God's never called me to go to India. Do you understand? Going personally in your skin suit is not the only mode to go. There's other ways to go. You go through your giving. You go through your prayer life. There have been many nations touched and changed and people delivered out of danger because someone halfway around the world got a burden to pray. And God said, get up and go pray. And they begin to pray and intercede and pray in the spirit and pray and not get up an hour, two hours later. They just keep driving on until all of a sudden they feel there's a release. May not even know, but only find out later on in life, even if they ever find out. But we know this happens, that halfway around the world, maybe somebody was in a situation, in a circumstance, in dire straits, and God had one of his ambassadors uh, pray and intercede for that individual. There prayer of faith went all the way halfway around the globe and brought deliverance. Yeah. 
There's no limitation of go when faith's involved. Jesus did not have to personally show up at the centurion house to go to his house. All he had to do is get is uh, find the man's faith in his word, and his word went. This is, don't even show. Don't come to my door. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was able to get to the house without actually physically going, according to your faith. And at that same hour, healing showed up without Jesus having to physically show up. Hallelujah. How do we go? Well, we go through the things that we do in outreach and stuff, but the biggest thing is we do live here. And we need to be looking for these opportunities. We're going to talk more about these in the next four weeks now on what that looks like to evangelize, to evangelize, to have a passion for those that are disconnected from God. And the best way to witness is that you demonstrate a life connected to God. That's number one. You represent a life connected to God. That way, when they get around you, they're like, something is different. Then through that, your words will begin to have credibility. Your words will begin to have credibility because when you begin to speak, they'll say that must work because their life models what they just said. Their life models what they just said. And why are you talking and why are you wanting to have the conversation? Why are you wanting to pay for the meal? Why are you wanting to bring them on to, your, uh, to, to, to be an employee with you? Why do you want to venture out and do this next, you know, expand your bit? Why do you want? Because I'm going at God's go so that I may touch somebody's life as an ambassador for the kingdom of God and get them out of where they're at. How are they going to believe unless someone's sent? And God does the sending. I said, God does the sending. I said, God does the sending. Now, I want to tell you what time it is. A few years ago, I can't tell you how many it is now, you know, because things just run together. But I'm starting to see a dream that God gave me manifest. I don't know why it is, but God has, on more than one occasion, allowed me by the Spirit to interpret dreams. I don't know why that is. Now, that doesn't mean if you have a dream, come tell me I'm going to interpret it because there may not be an interpretation. It may be your food, okay? It may be your own imagination. So I'm not going to drum up something for you. If I don't have, well, I don't have nothing. But there have been times that some dreams have been very significant. And I had a dream myself. And I knew when I woke up that it meant something in the Spirit. And I want to recall this dream to you that God gave me. Some of you have heard this, but we have enough new people now that you haven't heard this before. But I was sleeping one night, and I saw one night, and I drove up to a house in a van with a former pastor of mine by the name of Wade Adams. He was with the Assemblies of God in Stark, Florida. He's the first guy to release my gift in the church. We drove up in a van because I had an assignment. At this particular time, you know, in ministry, 
Uh, and just common, I was a avid black coffee drinker. Still drink it black, I just don't drink it as much. But there was something about I wanted to get this black cup of coffee. So we pull up at this house, front porch, and on the front porch is a, uh, another minister that's not with us anymore, but used to be. His name was Butch Smith. And Butch Smith, when he was with us, introduced me to prison ministry. And I went to the prisons with him. Union County Corrections, Putnam County, uh, or Putnam Corrections Institute. And so, you know, we started Anchor Faith Prison Ministry that's still thriving today, started out of him. We got up on the porch. At that point, Mr. Barry was there. And I told them what I was, you know, wanting to have. And Reverend Randy was there. And so I had Wade Adams, Reverend Butch, Mr. Barry, and Randy Clay with uh, me on this front porch. And I said, you know, I want to get this cup of coffee, right? So we opened the door of the house, but when I opened the door of the house, it wasn't an inside of a house. It was actually Mr. Barry's house, his yard. And at the time, his wife's retired now, so it doesn't look nothing like this anymore. <clears throat> but at the time, you know, he collected things, and there were things around, all around his yard, you know. And um, we were walking through the back of his yard. And there were people, like, in groups, in circles, sitting, and somebody was ministering, teaching the Word of God. Just pockets everywhere in this backyard. But then there were kids, little ones, you know, young kids. They were everywhere, running all over the place. And all the antiques he had collected and picked up and all kinds of stuff that was out in his yard, these kids were jumping and running. They weren't hindered by it. They were running all over the place, jumping, playing, just having a great, and no one was correcting them. Just running, having a great time. And we walked through that, and I said, hey, I'm going to get this cup of coffee. It's back here in the back. About that time, Randy Clay said, I'll get it for you. And he ran off to a particular building, started going ahead. And I said, that ain't the place. It's over here. And so he came back around to where I was, and all of us were there. And here's this, you know, place. It's like there was a podium, really. Um, and there was the coffee. Well, when I went to go get it, they stayed back. And all of a sudden, snakes were all around the podium everywhere and when I went to grab the coffee a snake snapped at me and I grabbed it and they could not get to me and I wrestled with that snake for a moment and cast it down and grabbed my coffee hooked back up with them and we walked all the way back to the front porch and then the Lord interpreted the dream he said Wade Adams represents the start of ministry for your life and Reverend Bush represents all the people who are bound and in prison in the spirit. They're lost without Jesus. He said, and Mr. Barry's yard represents religion, clutter in people's lives. And some people have been stuck in clutter so long, and the adults have been in religion so long, that you'll have to train them out of religion. But you'll raise up a generation while you're training people out of religion that have become babes in Christ, and they won't be hindered by religion. They'll just run. They'll run free. They can jump all up. They, they won't have any obstacle when it comes to religion. He said, Randy Clay represents business. 
money that had come to you and money that comes to you will try to get ahead of the vision and take it in a direction. You'll have to stay sensitive to me to know which course to go. And then when I got cup, the coffee just meant a goal, something we're pursuing. But when you get the closest to the prize, the enemy will mount his biggest attack. And he said, there's only, sometimes you are the only one that'll be able to handle that because you're the pastor. But if you don't, um, you know, give in to fear. Because I remember, I went to grab that thing, popped up right there I, in your sleep. You know how in your sleep you're like, <gasps> you know, you're like. Side note, I had another dream when I was young that somebody was in the house. I mean, I was like 10 years old, and they had this like window in the back of the den, this window in the door, and I was looking for somebody. I knew someone's in the house, and I went and opened the door. They were crouched down there, and they shot me in the chest in my dream. Well, I woke up, but my chest was hurting bad. So I don't know if I was beating on it, <laughs> but I felt like I'd been shot. So you know what I'm saying when that dream's that vivid, right? But I remember that fear trying, but I grabbed that thing you know, and cast it down. And then we, we, he says, the reason you go to the front porch, he said, because it's a cycle. You just keep cycling that ministry. I want you to know the reason why I'm so compelled to preach on go this month is because the children are coming. In fact, there are children here. They're coming into the kingdom and they're not hindered. In fact, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me, he said, Tell the church to go to the ones that seem like they want nothing to do with church because they're closer than they think. Tell them to go after them because they're closer to my kingdom than they think. Tell them to go after them because they know nothing about me and when they discover me through them, There'll be those kids that will not be hindered by religion and you can bring them into the kingdom of God and teach them the kingdom of God and they'll, they will not let any obstacle stop them or stand in their way. They'll run with faith like a child. So the ones you've seen at your workplace, the ones you're thinking, bro, there ain't no, they're closer than you think. The problem is, is you got to go and you got to pray this Ephesian prayer boldly, to speak boldly as I ought to speak. To speak boldly as I ought to speak. To get the utterance. The utterance. Not your words, but his. Don't say, oh, I'm going to work tomorrow and I'm going to tell him, if you don't get right with God, you're going to die and go to hell. No. Don't you say your words. You pray for utterance. God, I'm going to work tomorrow. Because, see, there's nothing wrong with going to work. There's nothing wrong with taking your kids to games. None of that. If you're going to take, I'm going to be a witness. The pri my priority just changed. I'm no longer taking my children to sports because I want them to be in sports. I'm taking them to sports because I want to affect the community. That's what I want to do. And so we're going to go. Now, if the Lord says, don't let your child get in sports because, you know, they could get hurt, you better listen to that. Because don't sacrifice your kids for a witness. But, my, but if you can... Then no, I'm there not to watch my child and say, you number one, you great, honey. I'm so glad, you know, you're the best. No, you're doing a great job, but use character. Be a witness. Be an example. Because I'll do that for mom and dad on the sidelines. 
We're going to show them how to operate. We're going to show them how we don't get aggravated. We don't act like that to the refs. Whatever the case, same thing at work, whatever. You go because you're on assignment to be an ambassador for the king. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So God, in these next four Wednesdays now, don't miss them. It's going to teach us how to confidently and boldly go. Because right now, I'm telling you, St. Augustine's ripe for harvest. That's why God put it in our spirit. I don't know how long it is. I mean, you know, if we do so much. But within this last year, he said, start calling in a 1,000 adults at this location. Adults, not youth, adults. Start calling them in. Well, you know what? You can't just pray them in. You got to pray them and then go to them as he leads you and start communicating. And you are the sent ones. I'm just going to be honest with you. The role of the church is to be the pillar and support of truth. That's what 1 Peter tells us. Peter says this. The one who wins the lost is you. They should only be coming here. We can get them born again. Don't get me wrong. But they should already actually be born again. And you say, you, now we got, remember what we did last, what we did on Thursday? Now when you come on Sunday, pastor's going to ask people if they want to come down and receive. You're, I'm going to go down with you because you're already born again. We're just going to go down and let everybody know. And then you're going to get baptized. And we're going to let people know this happened in the workplace. We're going to communicate. They should already be coming in. Being born again because of your influence, because you've been sent. You've been endued with power to go. And we're going to increase your confidence so that you can say, I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to say something to them. I'm going to do something there. Lord, it's okay because I thought I needed to get home. But right now I'm in Publix and you have an assignment for me on aisle five. You have an assignment for me on aisle five. Because you get our five born again, then their family gets born again. And then they come to church. And then they extend it to their extended family. And then their co-workers and their friends. Next thing you know, 50 people showed up because you led one person to Christ on our five. Because it wasn't just about you operating in your authority and your prosperity. It was about you demonstrating that God wants more children in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we love you.